Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chaos and Shadow. My name is Kyle. I'm joined here by my co-host, Brian, and we are sitting down with Emily and Tobias Whalen of the Singular Fortian. Welcome to the show, you two. Brian and I have been chatting about your articles for a while, and we're just so excited to sit down and talk with you today. Oh, yes. wow. Uh, you know, thank you so much. We, we really appreciate that. Thank you. Excited to be here. And yeah, thank you guys for coming. Beyond just reporting on news of the paranormal, and like the name says, Singular Fortian. So you're working on things that are, are very much up our alley, things that break the, the silos of just UFO activity, just ghost activity. You're, you're in that realm. Uh, and you really focus in on cryptid stuff related to Mothman sightings. I am so excited to talk about that because we've been covering uh, the Mothman Legacy film recently. We've been talking Mothman nonstop, so can't wait to pick your brain on that topic in particular. If I could start off there, what actually got you guys into investigating Mothman sightings? Sure. Uh, well, the Mothman sightings, specifically around Lake Michigan, um, we started out in the spring of 2017 covering those journalistically. Basically, what had happened was I saw a trio of, of sightings that came through the Mutual UFO Network uh, case management system. Uh, they described people um, alternately um, reporting either a, a giant bat or, you know, a, a, a giant owl. Um, but they they often describe some kind of, of humanoid aspect. And so I, I saw those come through there and, um, you know, MUFON had published a little article about them on their website. And I thought, well, that seems like something that our readers would be interested in. So uh, I, I went ahead and just covered it from, from our perspective. And, uh, you know, honestly, I thought that that was going to be the end of it. I didn't think we'd hear anything else about it. Uh, MUFON's not really known for sharing information or anything. So I just assumed it would be, you know, something we would never hear about again, but that's certainly not what happened. You know, after those, uh, that, or that, uh, trio of, of sightings came through MUFON, um, we started seeing more uh, sightings reported through, uh, Phantoms and Monsters and then UFO Clearinghouse and, and, uh, you know, so I, I set up interviews with uh, Lon Strickler and, and Manuel Navarrete, um, who at the time were sort of the, the main investigators, uh, because, I, you know, I didn't really feel like I'd be doing my, my due diligence if I didn't speak to those guys. I, I was interested when I started seeing all of these other reports come in. Um, so I spoke to them both in uh, June and July of 2017, respectively. And uh, they seemed very forthright. Um, certainly, they weren't making any any grandiose claims as to, you know, the the, the nature of, of this particular phenomenon or, or anything associated with it. Uh, and it really wasn't too long after that, uh, they found out that we're just uh, out of Madison, Wisconsin. So, you know, we're only two, two and a half hours north of, of Chicago. And so uh, we realized we had some mutual friends, uh, were, were introduced more formally. And, uh, you know, Lon asked us if, if we would want to just investigate these sightings, too, which uh, really ended up working out very well because it wasn't too long after we started publishing our articles covering these sightings that we started receiving uh, sighting reports of our own. So then, you know, at that point, people are coming to us directly and it really just made sense to collaborate with everybody else receiving reports. 
And I think too, like, um, you know, Lon and Manuel, sorry if this is kind of repeating what we said, had, you know, had some experience um, taking reports over many years, whereas we got our start together in 2016. So it was really like a launch process for us, a launch with collaboration. And it got me more involved in the process too, because my background was not in investigation, whereas Tobias's was. So I was able to go with, and uh, I'm the visual person on the team. So I was able to go along and uh, document sighting areas. And that's kind of where I came in on that after Tobias took the lead. I absolutely love that. I I did take notice uh, on the website where it had kind of your split in background and leadership style there on on the team. And I I love what you guys bring to the table because the Singular 14 has a a huge feel to it. It was one of the things that I caught first on the website is you guys have caught a, a mastered just a vibe of the paranormal that I think is very, very inviting. And when you get into the stories, uh, it's very clear that you guys do your strong investigative work. I mean, these are well-written and documented pieces. When when Brian and I have covered these in the past, you have fantastic quotes mm. from people involved. You've got you know great detail and uh, relation to the other similar cases you've come across. So could we talk a little bit about, for our audience, that they themselves haven't visited your site, could you, in your words, tell us what is the Singular Fortean Society? What what are you making there, mm. and how would you describe your process? Sure. So um, we consider ourselves a, a news outlet and a community organization. Um, so that that's probably apparent to anybody you know who who reads through our our, our articles because we do t- uh, take great care to present them journalistically uh, we don't often present our personal opinions in in unless you know it's sort of in context or in a, a separate uh, editorial or something um, and so that's 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 definitely the the presentation and then of course right. we also really enjoy um, well interacting with the the community if I guess if I could digress briefly mm-hmm. um, as to why it's so important to me personally that we do that now an actual reason I got into investigating uh, you know and, and I had been investigating on my own for probably a close to a uh, five or more years before we started the, the Singular the 40 in society, probably longer than that, actually, but I'm trying to do math in my head and it's not really working out for me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had been in investigating for, for some time and, and the, the impetus behind that was that, you know, during my, my formative years, really as, as early as I can remember, I had experienced a, a variety of paranormal phenomena and this being pre-internet, uh, really my, my only recourse was to go to the library. And so I would, I would ride my bike down to the library and I would find books by, you know, Brad Steiger and Whitley Strieber and, and John Keel. And reading those books, they really, they really helped in a way that, that nothing else could at that time. And so by the time I was an adult uh, in my, my mid to late 20s, I had really kind of landed on on what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be able to try and help people the same way that those authors helped me. And the best way for me to do that was to to interact with witnesses directly and try to express their experiences as they're related to me in it in as authentic of a, a, a manner as as possible and um, and that's where a lot of the the community stuff comes in because it's not 
it's it's not enough to uh, share stories that are found on the, the the internet. You know, you really have to you have to get out there and you have to speak to people because a lot of these people they don't have many outlets. Um, even even with the the internet, when it really comes to one on one connection and, and somebody really actively investigating your sighting and investigating it well, that's still relatively rare. Um, well, for instance, one of the most common narratives we receive from witnesses is they will have this impossible experience. You know, maybe it's 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 sighting a, a hairy hominid, maybe it's Mothman, maybe it's a UFO or a ghost or whatever. And they want to tell somebody, you know, this is a powerful experience for them. And they'll go to a loved one, could be a sibling, a spouse, a good friend, whatever. And they'll tell them about this experience and they get laughed at and they get laughed at by somebody that they were hoping they could trust to to talk to uh, about that experience. And so um, they usually shut up about it after that until they find somebody like us uh, where, you know, they can they can actually discuss it. And so I know personally what that's like. And and I I think we both want to be able to provide that kind of, of outlet for, for anybody who's gone through something like this. I absolutely love that. I, I sometimes steer clear of asking people what their start is in the paranormal, what was the impetus for that, because we don't all have a, a, a fantastic um, story to share. But that's something very important I, I get from what you're both doing here. I mean, this is truly about helping people. Um, and that does show through, I, I, again, in the in the care that goes into these pieces. I, I can feel that come through with it. Um, Brian, mm. you, I think, also got a little bit of your question answered in a way. But I know you were interested yeah. in asking uh, in regard to how the stories were gathered and how that works out. Right. Um, yes. So I noticed that you guys, uh, not just Mothman, you guys cover a ton of subjects from like UFO activity to cryptids to anything paranormal. Um, which um, I was wondering, where do you find uh, all these stories? And you did say that people come to you, but like for these other stories, um, do you like hear about them on the news or like um, where do you get them? I would say from a variety of sources. Um, for instance, mm -hmm. we've been um, exploring Holy Hill area, which is part of the Kettle Marine State Forest in southeastern Wisconsin, and we had heard about a sighting that was reported on the news and um, just, you know, was shared around the community. I think it's in one of um, Linda Godfrey's books. So we decided mm -hmm. to investigate that area for ourselves. Also, based on the fact that we had explored another part of the Kettle Moraine with Jay Bachochin, who does a lot of Sasquatch research, probably mm -hmm. since 2013. So mm -hmm. A lot of it is stuff that we hear about, um, you know, folklore of the area, mm -hmm. legends, and also just um, other researchers in the area. Sure. Um, yeah. No, I mean, really, she uh, she, she makes a, a good point. Like there is a lot of sort of community spread when it when it comes to sources for, for various mm -hmm. uh, uh, paranormal, uh, paranormal phenomena, certainly the things that we choose to investigate ourselves. And then when it comes to... Uh, uh, a lot of the the news coverage, um, there can be, of course, a, a variety of sources. And so sometimes you will see uh, mainstream news uh, covering a, a paranormal uh, mm. event or occurrence. Uh, sometimes 
you know, it, it could be a, a video shared on, you know, on Reddit or, or YouTube or, or something. Um, it, mm. But fundamentally, when it comes to sources, uh, we do have a, a, a standard, you know, mm-hmm. um, like we don't we won't just uh, uh, share, you know, anonymous, unsourced uh, uh, stories found on the the internet. At least, certainly not without context and not without some other more compelling uh, uh, reason. Often, if we do share something like that, um, it's because we've seen it shared somewhere else, but without context uh, and and sort of and. In that way, we can try to help people put things in in perspective. I mean, uh, we've all seen viral videos going around the internet that um, mm-hmm. you know, in hour or two on online, could show anybody is is demonstrably false or hoaxed. Um, but a lot of people don't put that work in, and so mm-hmm. you just see them passed off as, oh, I don't know, maybe true. When, you know, just because, frankly, people didn't want to put that work mm-hmm. in, they'd rather have the clicks or the, the social media likes or, or whatever thereafter. So uh, usually if we're sharing something like that, like I said, it's it's because I've just seen it going around too much. Um, it's I know it's not true. So we want to get an article out just to let people know. And, um, right. you know, obviously that's not about being a buzzkill. That's because if we can kind of separate the, the, the wheat from the chaff when it comes to, you know, paranormal yes. phenomena, um, you know, we can concentrate on the, the, the stuff that's, that's really important, but yeah, we don't really limit our, our sources. Um, we only limit the material itself in that, uh, again, if, if, if we're going to put it out there as something that is possible, we need to be able to, to verify the important details of that story. Right. And that kind of actually leads me into my next question that I had for you guys, because um, me and Kyle have had a couple of articles like that that we've discussed on our show. Um, and I was my next question was, is there are there any sources that you would never use? Like one that came to mind for me was uh, TikTok and how people can like add those filters onto there. Um, mm-hmm. You guys did really pretty much answer that question. But if you'd like to elaborate or anything like that, um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, TikTok's a, a, a great example. You know, I, I remember a, mm. a viral video um, not too long ago about a young woman who like she was sitting at a counter or something and her the curtain and her uh, sliding glass door moved or whatever and uh, you know people were saying oh it's a ghost it's a ghost and you know it took gosh i don't know maybe 15 minutes for me to find the follow-up video where she was saying like where she showed how it was done basically because it was a joke um, that's one that ultimately I chose not to run um, because, you know, I honestly, it didn't look like it was getting enough traction in the in the community um, for me to decide that, you know, we would bother actually putting an article out explaining it to people. Um, mm-hmm. But TikTok is a great example. I mean, uh, uh, Reddit is another one. Um, certainly YouTube yeah. is is the, the, the same where if you are going to use them as sources and again, you know, like I don't have a problem using anything as, as a source, you have mm-hmm. to do your due diligence um, and, and, and you have to be able to, to verify what, what you're sharing with people because, 
yeah, otherwise it's, I mean, it's just noise. It does more harm than good. And I think too, um, depending on the subject matter and how, you know, if it's a story that needs that, you know, is breaking, but there might need, we have to wait, you wait and see how it plays out. You don't just like attach to something. Right. Mm. No, that's, that's a good point. That's something that, that we also take very seriously is there's usually this rush to be the, the first person to, to cover something. And in my mm. experience, the first person to cover Cover something is very rarely the best person to cover that particular story. I agree. Um, and so, like, we really try not to play into the sensationalism. Uh, I have no problem uh, running a, a, a story, you know, two, three days a week after after somebody else, because I wanted to make sure that I had time to get all of the relevant information. I mean, great example of that is we just published our first article on that Utah monolith today, because I knew as soon as it started getting shared around, I was like, well, this is this is the kind of thing where if you just mm. jump on it right away and you play into the 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 madness, um, you know, you're, you're probably going to look silly later. And so I, I gave it like a week. And sure enough, like not only was it eventually removed and shown to be made of perfectly mundane yeah. materials, but like yeah. the guys who removed it, and this was a much more interesting story for me, <laughs> look to be private citizens who were who were removing it because the number of looky-loos out there in the, the southeastern Utah desert were like just <laughs> wreaking havoc on that uh, that particular mm-hmm. ecosystem. And so uh, yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to get that all together into one article and be like, all right, like here's everything that, that happened. Um, it's, it's interesting from a cultural perspective. Um, but you know, there are still articles being, being shared around that, that, well, they don't even know that somebody was out there the night that it was removed and have photographs of the guys removing it. And so you've right. got, you've still got people out there sharing these articles saying that like, oh, it mysteriously disappeared overnight. Well, there's nothing mysterious about it. There's literal photographic evidence of some concerned citizen, you know, taking yeah. this, this, this thing down. So mm-hmm. yeah, you just, you can't rush into stuff like that. Or, or again, you, you become part of the problem. Unfortunately, yeah, fantastic. That's definitely article. something I see. Yeah, the yep. photos you have in here are are really wonderful to illustrate that point. So everyone out there listening, please, <laughs> please go check it out. I I definitely respect the um, restraint uh, in, in reporting on this because this mm. we're recording this episode on December first for people out there listening uh, when we put this out. But uh, it has dominated the headlines, like you said. It, it has been out there. Everyone has been covering it, but again, with a lot of suspect information so it's been interesting to see the quote-unquote ufo twitter's response and and all of the uh parties involved i'm gonna dive into this one after the show here i can't wait to get some good news on it some solid reporting (laughs) um i heard this morning that it reappeared in romania i don't know if you guys heard that but that's what some people are claiming (laughs) there was a a separate monolith um, I, you know, I, I tracked down uh, a, a news outlet in Romania that looks to be the only source I could find. I mean, it's been covered by, mm-hmm. you know, Daily Mail and, and some other tabloids at this point. 
Um, and I, I did add that to our, our article because that particular news outlet out of Romania, I mean, it seemed credible. Um, it doesn't really look like the same object necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it has that like triangular prism shape. It's probably about mm-hmm. the, the same height, but, you know, with uh, with, with uh, plywood and some sheet metal, you could whip one of those up in an afternoon. Um, True. So yeah, true. It, it seems likely, and this is, you know, at the risk of speculating, it seems likely that it's just another art installation similar to the one in Utah um, that somebody put up because of the widespread popularity of, of the, the Utah monolith. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe they just didn't notice it till now. Who knows? Um, yeah. It's right. so interesting to explore all those different angles. And uh, Kyle and I do that on, on our show pretty regularly. And that's why I was so excited when Kyle said we were going to get to interview you guys. So thank you again for coming on. Well, it's, it's our pleasure. Happy to be here. Did you know Chaos and Shadow has moved to Facebook? That's right. We've got Facebook pages for this show and Revelator Paranormal. Like them today. Become a member on our website and gain exclusive access to our Facebook group. There, you can help us investigate the files, dive deeper, and build this community from the ground up. Huge thank you to all of our supporters. Head over to chaosandshadow.com forward slash subscribe and look for the links in the description to join our Facebook. So a a question for you two, as we as we talk and learn more about the structure of what you're you're both putting forward and how how this is working, what are the plans for your society? Because I want to let everyone out there know that you have a a great Patreon running. So if people want to get involved, that sounds like a great way to support. I've seen you putting it out there on Twitter. Uh, What do you want to do? What's your your goals for the future with the the singular 14 society? Sky's the limit, really. Um, I mean, I think keep doing what we're doing and you know try to keep investigating the impossible you know try to learn more about this as we go um i personally would like to um be able to do more you know investigation outside our backyard personally as well because i mean a lot of it compares from region to region um that's for me personally yeah no i i i completely agree with that being able to sort of expand the the focus of our our personal investigations into into other areas outside of like the the great lakes you know midwest region would be fantastic um you know as 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 far as as personal goals i mean something that that we've definitely been doing with our our members is sort of uh, encouraging people to investigate in a similar style to us. Ah, uh, um, yes. And so, I mean, for me, being able to gather together a group of like-minded, you know, open-minded individuals uh, who are interested in examining these subjects and 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 really and really portraying them authentically rather than, you know, sort of feeding into the the misinformation that that exists out there. I mean, that I think for the the Singular Fortean Society as a a collective group of people, I think that's probably my 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 main goal right now and and I'm just so happy that we've like we've been able to even start doing it on the the level that we have. And I think for a lot yeah. of people who are into the paranormal, there is a portion of them who have their understanding of the field from reality TV. 
So being able to encourage people to take it more seriously, I beyond, you know, what you see on TV and the work that goes into it, I think would be great as well. Yeah, they really don't. And I, I this isn't meant as a, a knock against any, oh, no. anybody's TV show, but, you know, having been, you know, in documentaries and, and, and on television myself, I can tell you, like, they don't, sh- I mean, obviously they can't show mm-hmm. everything that really goes into in, in actual in investigation. I mean, it would, it would just take way too long. And so I, yeah. I think that unfortunately people have this misconception of, of, you know, these super exciting, sexy adventures and, and it's super, not that at all. <laughs> it really, it's a lot of very tedious research, a lot of being cold in the dark for long periods of time. Uh, you know, yeah. just, just stuff like that. I I'm glad you bring that point up. We we've been talking, uh, about the style of investigative work that's being portrayed more recently. I, I, I think we all know Hellier has been one that's been winning awards that has changed the, uh, dynamic a bit. And I gotta say, I, you're right. It's, it's a very different world out there. Um, the, the the true investigation versus what's on television. Uh, that's something we often like to to bring up with with guests here as well, um, because some of our guests, like you just said, ha- have been part of these documentaries. They've been on some of these shows and can yeah agree that it's it's not always like that. The investigation does not always wind up with it being a demon or something of the most extreme nature. It might be something minor. It might you know be something that has to be blown up for the screen so to everyone out there a good psa a good reminder to to vet your content mm. yeah and i think that's what uh tobias and emily were saying is like you know there's no shame in using a reddit story as long as you know it seems credible um you know the source maybe or the material that it's published on might not be you know the most reliable but the person telling the story might be so absolutely <laughs> Sounds like we have an extra guest joining us. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I don't know what our dog was just going crazy about, but it was definitely something. Saying hello. I like it. I like it. Well, you guys, that actually kind of brings us to the end of our our interview today. I I really appreciate you both joining us to give us a background on what you've been up to and where you're looking at taking things, because I think your goals are are fantastic. I think people should be out there supporting them. Uh, Again, we love using your site for sharing news. Uh, Again, definitely applaud your attention to detail with it, the journalistic style that you're putting out. Because again, we know we've seen fluff pieces out there as you mentioned earlier they don't always hit at the the truth or dive as deep as they need to to uncover the real mystery involved so everyone out there mm. please go check out their website singular14.com uh, again as, as of today's recording on december 1st there's the fantastic article on the utah monolith which i'm going to dive into tobias mm. emily thank you for your time today we we really really thank appreciate you. it thank you so much this was great thank you so much well we look forward yeah, to chatting you with you both soon you two have a lovely rest of your day and everyone out there thank you for listening bye bye <laughs>